Welcome everyone to the Inhumans podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello, Matt. Hello, everybody. Here with yet another Fantastic Geek Marvel Cinematic Universe show. This one scheduled to begin uh, its run not on TV, Matt, but in IMAX in August of this year. Indeed. Now, Pete, before we dive on into Inhumans, you mentioned yet another. Uh, for new listeners, what, we, we've we done like another Marvel podcast before this? Just a few. Indeed, Pete, Fantastic Geek has covered every every iteration, every episode, every movie of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. So definitely glad to be joining Inhumans to the ranks. Yes, to the ranks of let's let's count them off, Matt. Agents of Shield, uh, also on ABC. A lot of supposition that Inhumans might be taking the place of. We'll talk about that a little later in the podcast. Agent Carter, uh, no longer on ABC, likely gone for good but not forgotten. Daredevil on Netflix. Jessica Jones on Netflix. Luke Cage on Netflix, Iron Fist on Netflix, the forthcoming Defenders on Netflix, and the forthcoming The Punisher on the Netflix. Matt, have I left any out? Pete, I think you covered it all just as we cover it all. So let's dive on into Inhumans. So what, Pete, is the concept of Marvel's Inhumans? Well, the Inhumans, Matt, as I know you're aware, simply a rhetorical handoff, uh, deals with the uh, royal family of uh, Attilian left here on Earth, involved with the Kree. We've, we've seen quite a few echoes of this on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but never directly uh, tied into the uh, inhuman royal family as it is in Marvel Comics. So certainly an exciting concept, one that uh, initially was slated to, uh, to be a Marvel Films movie uh, and instead now, uh, now headed towards TV. Although, I guess, Pete, for us, let's get out of the way. Before we talk cast, uh, a, a novel, indeed a, uh, a new model here, uh, the first two episodes are going to debut on IMAX screens uh, late August or early September of this year, uh, being filmed at least partly on IMAX digital cameras. And uh, IMAX also funding those first two episodes completely. So interesting financial structure, interesting idea that expanded versions of these uh, first two episodes will then later air on ABC. Uh, we get eight episodes of goodness and uh, and... Again, kind of a new model, new way to do this. This was something that when it came to light, um, really surprised people out of nowhere. It was assumed for a long time that this would be uh, a movie property. It had been announced as a film property. And then it came off that slate or was kind of like, yeah, we're not really going to talk about that one, you know, in 2019, 20. That's so far away. We're not really going to talk about it right now. And then, boom, reimagined, keeps part of the movie idea in that it will hit um, screens for IMAX first. 
and then on to ABC. So really the best of both worlds. And if there's any fatigue from Marvel TV on ABC, the IMAX buzz is really going to undo that. Indeed, Pete, though we will discuss later in the episode, as you teased, what this might mean for uh, for other Marvel TV shows and its effect, positive or negative, you have to give credit here to all involved, Marvel, uh, ABC Studios, ABC Broadcast, and, uh, and IMAX. Just, you know, th- there needs to be that extra thing to cut through the buzz, whether it's on the movie side or the TV side. And this is brand new territory. Maybe Maybe the movie will cannibalize the TV show. Maybe uh, people won't go to the movie because they want to get the, the fuller episode or, or not have to pay twice or, or, or that sort of thing. But, um, I mean, it's a dynamic approach. It really, really is. And where better to do it with Marvel, which obviously has a TV side and a movie side, ostensibly under the one banner of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, corporately sometimes separated, sometimes, uh, you know, internal strife, getting better all the time. Maybe their long-term thought is, hey, do this as you know, do this as an IMAX movie that feeds into the TV show. Do the TV show for a couple seasons, then leap back to a a, a broader scope movie. Um, this is the kind of dynamic thinking that we want. Asterisk. Other shows might pay a price, Pete, but that's later. Well, you said it, and I don't think there's another property outside of Star Wars that could be launched in such a way. Uh, IMAX is actually looking for other TV partners. I think there are a lot of studios that hear IMAX and are intimidated as far as, okay, we're going to put something that we ordinarily put on TV on an IMAX screen, you know, forget the TV adding however many pounds or, you know, whatever it is, you you need a a sizable quotient of action that is not present in a lot of TV in order to uh, capitalize on that format. Yeah. And and, I mean, again, all the more reason to, to give this a try. And I think that uh, I, I know it's something we said before, but it bears repeating the notion that IMAX is fronting the bill entirely for these first two episodes. Um, if this show is a runaway hit and if, if it is quickly beloved and quickly engaging, um, that's a, that's a financial situation where it'll take less eyes for a show that we would love um, less eyes for it to be successful because ABC is ABC Studios, ABC TV. They're paying for six of the eight episodes, so they they get two for free. Pete, buy, buy three, get the fourth free, is a pretty good deal, particularly as the as the TV uh, landscape, the movie landscape, the convergence of the two all become a more crowded place. And I think it's forward looking this type of deal. I think it's a situation where they got creative. They certainly ABC and Marvel dip their toe in the live action idea of inhumans with agents of shield, but never on the crazy extraterrestrial level. Obviously that uh, inhumans is known for, um in its comic counterpart 
Well, Pete, let's start to get into the cast and the characters here. Uh, headlining uh, the show is Anson Mount, uh, who many might know from the uh, the AMC show Hell on Wheels. Uh, and he is playing Black Bolt, the head of the Inhuman royal family, and uh, somebody who's, uh, whose voice can cause destruction with the slightest whisper, Pete. Yes, also known as uh, Blackagar Boltigan. It remains to be seen whether whether we're going to see that name <laughs> translate onto TV. Say that you know five times fast. But uh, to to get this actor coming off uh, Hell on Wheels, where he has established a following, um, he certainly looks the part as far as the character. Uh, they have already started filming on Hawaii and there's pictures of him in the, in the black type of suit. He doesn't have the, uh, the, the classic, uh, white lines on there just yet, but who knows where we are, um, in the filming, who knows if that's even the interpretation they're going to give on the character, but yeah, looks the part. They got somebody with charisma and you know, the, the machismo, uh, and uh, we're going to see what he brings to Placagar uh, Boltigan, maybe? <laughs> Next on the list is uh, Sarinda Swan as Medusa. That's the, uh, the wife to Black Bolt. And Pete, uh, comic geeks, comic TV show geeks might know Sarinda Swan as having played Zatanna for three episodes in Smallville. Uh, also a, uh, a small role in Tron Legacy. So some some geek cred there for uh, Medusa from Inhumans. I did not recognize her based on her name, but you mentioned those two roles that she played. And I'm like, uh, I'm there. Um, the role in particular for Tron, she was uh, one of the sirens. She was one of the uh, the girls dressed in white there um, in, in Tron Legacy. So uh, definitely has the look. I'm super excited to see. And, and this is just something that cries out for the IMAX format. Her ability where uh, Black Bolt can level a city with his voice. Her ability, her hair uh, has a mind of its own. And uh, interesting that they did not go with a redhead here. Um, she's naturally blonde. She's she's played brunettes as well. You don't you don't get any more brunettier than uh, Zatanna. So yeah, again, looks the part. Has the chops. Has has played parts like this obviously this is the biggest opportunity she's had to date and uh super interested to see what uh sarinda swan can do with it pete the third uh build character is that of maximus uh who desires to be king over his brother uh that is uh, of course played by iwan Dreon. Pete, I think he might have some experience with uh, looking towards the throne and wondering if maybe maybe he should be in there and not not someone else. Yeah, I don't think, and maybe it's why he was the first name publicly cast. I don't know if you could possibly find a more fitting actor from look and ability than Awan Dreon. I mean, Ramsey Bolton, Matt. And if you haven't seen Game of Thrones and Matt hadn't got there for a while until he finally, 
you know, figured out this whole pop culture phenomenon. This was maybe the character you love to hate more than the bastard uh, king that they had on the show. King Joffrey. Next on the list, Pete, a, a familiar face to uh, particularly you and I, Ken Lung as Karnak. Uh, Ken Lung, of course, a, a veteran uh, of Lost playing Miles Strom, as well as uh, playing Admiral Satura in The Force Awakens, using that uh, that uh, JJ cred there. Uh, also Kid Omega in X-Men The Last Stand. So a welcome face there playing uh, Black Bolt's cousin and closest advisor. Yes, Karnak here, and you said it. He's been in some super high-profile things. You know, everybody jumps to Lost, but considering that he's in The Force Awakens, that he's been in an X-Men movie, which got him the the Lost part, um, and and a lot was made like, hey, oh, there's there's a member of the the cast of Lost who's who's going to get cast in in Humans. He wasn't necessarily, you know the first or maybe even 10th name that came to mind, but so perfectly chosen for this particular role. Next on the list, Pete playing uh, Gorgon, also one of Black Bolt's cousins is uh, M.A. Eekwalker, a, uh, a uh, veteran of uh, television, Hawaii Five O, Castle, Extant, to name a few, and uh, certainly another great addition to the cast. Yeah, I'm not terribly familiar with the actor, um, but as far as what he's going to bring to the role here, there's a certain uh, physicality that would come with, you know, not just this, but any of the inhuman roles. But um, I think by going with an actor here of color, as opposed to what you have in the the classic uh, Inhumans uh, iteration of this character. Again, it's an opportunity to do what Marvel's done a really good job of, and that is have a diverse universe. Next, Pete, we have Isabel Cornish playing Crystal. That is the sister of Medusa. Crystal can uh, control the elements. The youngest member of the royal family, and indeed Isabel Cornish, uh, a, a wee bairn age of 22, and also Pete, into a 2013, named by PETA as Australia's sexiest vegetarian. Well, I'm not going to argue with any of the stuff that you just mentioned. Um, she's certainly an attractive uh, young lass and uh, looking forward to what she's going to be able to do in this role. As we uh, round out the, the final three of the cast so far, there's Mike Moe as Triton, uh, Black Bolt's cousin. Pete, this actor has a black belt. Uh, a fourth degree black belt in American Taekwondo. So, Pete, I expect some action scenes there out of Mike Mo. I think it's the type of situation that uh, mirrors when they went out and got Elodie Young for Daredevil. There's a woman who not only can act, but is proficient in so many different forms of martial arts. And there's definitely a place given this property for that type of performer 
penultimately, Pete, there is Sonia Balmoris as Aurin. That's the head of the Royal Guards on Atalan. And uh, not a ton of acting experience thus far for Sonia Balmoris, although uh, a former uh, Miss Hawaii Teen USA, former Miss Teen USA, uh, and Hawaiian herself. So, Pete, as you mentioned before, with the... Uh, with the uh, sense of diversity here the the star of the 2011 film soul surfer joining the inhumans yeah i think that's a great pickup as well somebody who uh has established herself in a in another film and brings more eyeballs to this property and last on the list is Ellen Waglom as Pete Mysteriously, someone who works at a private aerospace company. <laughs> um, well, so there's perhaps, the – go ahead. I was going to say so, someone who's uh, nosing around and can be, our, uh, can be our, our kind of entrance character to this world of the, uh, the royal and humans. Well, there's the big mystery at this point, and there's a lot of speculation that she is playing – Abigail Brand of Sword, Matt. For those uninitiated, Sword is the uh, an acronym, much like Shield. A uh, little bit different as far as an organization is concerned, however. So, Pete, that rounds out the cast, at least the the actors cast for the show. Is that it? That is not it, Matt, because not only have these actors been cast, they are already filming on Hawaii. Uh, they, along with a certain 2,000-pound teleporting mustachioed canine. Pete, where would you cast such a, such a creature? Um, probably in the props department, with some help from uh, your your CGI artists uh, along the lines of a of a Mark Colpack. Well, certainly a a a fun twist there to bring such a character to to fruition on the screen. The notion of this this giant dog, Pete. Well, he's already been seen, Matt. Uh, there is a, a gigantic blue uh, prop. Um, one of the things, uh, he, he uses, uh, his powers to do, uh, characters will hug him and he will teleport to wherever he needs to go and, and bring them along. I think it's, you know, we go back to like guardians of the galaxy and I remember telling, um, you know, kids I knew four or five years ago, Hey, be prepared to lose your mind over a gun toting raccoon. And they were like, whatever, come on, man, too much CGI, okay? We haven't already seen how fun Rocket Raccoon and Groot can be, and now we're going to do this with a dog. And there are people right now who are scoffing, but one, there's no way it's going to look like the deer from the latest episode of The Walking Dead. <laughs> and two, we know that Marvel is tremendously skilled, not only in getting these animated, but they nail the character. Um, when I first heard that uh, Bradley Cooper was going to voice Rocket, I was extraordinarily worried. Um, I, I had images of you know his his tone and his attitude from. Uh, 
the hangover movies, I'm like, this isn't right. I don't think you could argue another actor voicing that role. Um, I'm going to be super interested to see who winds up, if anybody, voicing Lockjaw. But this is a character that people are going to lose their minds over. He's a fan favorite. He will be a fan favorite on the show. We're going to see him on our giant movie screens and then on our giant flat screens. And it's going to make this that much better. So, Pete, as you mentioned, filming has begun in Hawaii. So certainly uh, the opportunity there for some exotic locales. Um, Also, in addition to the first two episodes being shot, um, many of the major action sequences from from subsequent episodes are being filmed there as well uh, with the IMAX cameras and with the locale. So, again, this is kind of what we want in terms of a... You know, a show that has a cohesive story, that plans ahead, that is trying to tell uh, an overall arc with the number of episodes that it has. Um, so these are all positives here, um, particularly with with the the variety of opportunities that filming in Hawaii can bring you. I mean, you think of how during the run of Lost, every continent and every corner of the globe was covered as they filmed in in Hawaii and occasionally in LA. So it certainly is an exciting start to this show. And that they're filming where they are. And just from paying attention to some of the, uh, exterior, uh, shots that have, uh, have shown up, you can find them on the internet, um, that they would appear to be filming for Hawaii on Hawaii, I think is interesting. Um, given what we know about the characters and, uh, you know, the, the world they kind of populate and, and come from. And then that there is apparently um, information to indicate they're going to film inside Diamond Head Crater um, on Oahu and what that could look like as, as far as a location for an IMAX TV show. Also interesting, too, of course, Hawaii Five O is also filming in the state, and that's using the sole production studio that the islands have. So um, the Hawaii State Film Office has, uh, has done some uh, moving around of, of uh, filming locations and some, some uh, spots that the Navy has been leasing. Um, so it's got to be especially exciting in Hawaii right now, having two shows going at the same time. And... Um, I think too, Pete. It, it it lets this show look different from the the uh, other ABC broadcast shows which have been filmed in uh, Los Angeles, uh, despite uh, Shield taking place all across the world and Carter taking place in New York for the first season, uh, and then the Marvel Netflix shows which uh, largely film in New York. This just gives you another another opportunity for a, a screen of any size, let alone as you've mentioned before the uh, these giant IMAX screens exotic and unique well pete now now let's have some grown-up talk here about the way tv works metrics money all of that with inhumans being an eight episode show the hope there i I can only assume is to get big flash with imax paying for the first two episodes 
uh, which to me, you know, if there's standing sets, well, they're going to be paid for in the first two episodes. And if there's costumes, you know, big, big bold costumes, those are going to be paid for in the first two episodes. So ABC uh, Broadcast and ABC Studios getting a, a financial break here, getting less, you know, spending less than the cost of six episodes, I would bet, in order to get eight. That's a cost-saving thing. That's a money-making thing. That is the business that broadcast TV is in. Pete, with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. live ratings hovering at a 0.6, at a 0.7, uh, it pains me to say, Pete, I don't want to root against Inhumans, but things are looking less good for S.H.I.E.L.D. based on the strength of Inhumans. It's really, you know, as, as a lot of information is out there, going to test the Marvel-ABC connection. Inhumans is happening. This is out in advance of their upfronts, which are kind of in jeopardy now, given uh, a possible writer's strike on the horizon. Um, but Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s renewal percentage, every day that goes by where they haven't said it's going to happen, I, I just think we're, we're that much closer to the end. There's really only two scenarios as far as I see it. Um, that we have Inhumans in the fall and S.H.I.E.L.D. returns for some kind of abbreviated schedule in, uh, you know, the winter spring. Or, Matt, that's it. I suppose a third option is to hope for S.H.I.E.L.D. getting picked up by Netflix. It does have stronger uh, Live Plus 7 ratings. So a lot of people, in fact, the majority of people uh, watching S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, uh, with time shifting, um, Pete, there have been moments that I've, I've, I've gotten done with an agents of shield podcast with you, which, uh, you know, the show richer than ever, more fun than ever. And I've said, I want to root against inhumans because it's going to take away the show that we like best. It's going to take away the, the mothership. It's going to take away agents of shield. I think though, that's an unfair way to look at it. Shield. Shield is going to have the life cycle that it's going to have, and just because there's another Marvel show coming to ABC for sure this fall, you know that might have certain financial ramifications uh, for other shows on the schedule, Shield included. But as has been said many, many times before, every show that you love was greenlit after somebody else's favorite show was canceled. So it's kind of it's it's the way it is, and we certainly shouldn't shouldn't mix up love for shield with uh, anticipation for inhumans. You're not going to find bigger agents of shield fans than us. Um, we chose to get into this TV universe with that show where it all began. We've gotten into everything else as a result of it. This will be the mothership for fantastic geek in the, Marvel end of things for as long as there is a Marvel end of things with us. That being said, all good things come to an end. Um, the 22 episode model when it comes to one hour action drama, Matt, name me another one on TV right now. You're going to be hard pressed. They are coming, becoming increasingly, increasingly scarce. And I've said it before to Matt, I'll say it for the first time on the podcast. This will be 
Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. finishing up. This will be the last 22-episode season of any Marvel series ever. It is no longer the model. You look at what Netflix gives you in 13 episodes all at once. You look at what uh, even Carter did in eight and then, you know, the rare situation where they got more episodes the following year. Okay, we know that Inhumans will be eight. We know that uh, Defenders, which will be a miniseries, is going to be eight episodes, although no details what length uh, there. So who knows? They could be, you know, double or 90 minutes. Not quite clear. But the, the 22 episode, 44 minute count per, that's a tremendous expenditure. And four years in, I mean, listen, it was touch and go with with S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, you know, for renewal. What was it? The second season? Season one and season two. Yeah, but there was there was one in particular. They went super late. Um, I want to say it was the second season as far as the the renewal was concerned, um, where we were sweating it out the most. But you look at everything it's helped to kick off. It's always going to have that legacy, okay? But they're making the two Infinity War Avengers movies back-to-back right now, and not that Clark Gregg can't run and appear in those, you know, quick and, you know, then then come back. But there are other external demands upon this on top of the fact that the new head of ABC programming, she inherited this. She didn't start this. And there's always kind of a, a my baby situation that happens with those studio heads uh, when it comes to looking at the next year's schedule. But as of right now, the ratings just don't justify it. And as bittersweet as it is for us to have it and potentially lose it, I don't know how much more realistically we could really expect out of that show that they even did the Inhumans and they went there in season two and, you know, they've, they've, uh, you know, found themselves and this ability here in, in this last stretch of the season to again, reinvent itself. Um, we're going to look back fondly on agents of shield for a long time, but I don't think with the dawn of the Inhumans, Matt, we have much more time. Well, we hope both of us hope Pete, that uh, these prognostications of doom for Shield are wrong. Nothing would well, nothing would please us more than to to hop back on the podcast feed and all across fantasticgeek.com declare that there's more Shield ahead. Time will tell. Uh, ABC renewals last year uh, came by and large in the month of March. So Pete, we have the first week of March concluded as we record this. So certainly, fingers crossed. Regardless, though, uh, and, and it's difficult for me to to fully believe what I am saying, but I do I do know it's it's the way to look at it. Um, have to remain excited for Inhumans based on what it is, not the impact it might have on other on other areas of the schedule for ABC or for Marvel TV in general. Uh, great concept, a fun concept. And uh, I'm looking forward to to hitting IMAX theaters that first uh, weekend in September, and uh, then carrying on uh, in uh, the very end of September as the show hits uh, the show, show hits ABC on September 26th, and uh, certainly should be a fun fun ride, particularly paired 
with uh I, I would assume pete that when in humans wraps up sometimes novemberish that's probably when defenders hits netflix so a great fall ahead for marvel tv uh just <laughs> all across the different ways you can watch tv i would certainly hope that fans of existing shows would greet this with an open mind and not you know hold it accountable should it bump shield from the schedule well pete regardless if it's marvel tv if it's the mcu films we will continue to podcast it some of you are listening to this on the pop culture podcast feed by fantastic geek you can search itunes for fantastic geek to see all that we do and all of it collates in the pop culture podcast feed if you like some of the other marvel shows but not the others well, Pete, as you mentioned, we, we cover them all, so search for Fantastic Geek. Search for your favorite Marvel show. You'll find us there. And uh, Pete, want to give a plug to our Star Trek Discovery podcast, Discovery, a Star Trek podcast by Fantastic Geek. That's out there, too. So whether you're an old listener or a new listener, plenty for you to plug in your earphones and, uh, and join us as we enjoy these shows. Speaking of shows, Matt, as we are recording, it is Tuesday, March 7th. It's it's not a night where we have Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. because they are on hiatus until April. However, uh, we are gearing up. We are suiting up for uh, the debut of the final Defender on Netflix in Marvel's Iron Fist coming to you on March 17th, St. Patrick's Day, and we will be there with each and every episode. Uh, super excited to uh, very soon be able to talk to you all about that. That, of course, with its own feed via iTunes and FantasticGeek.com. You have goal for us to be ripping through uh, episodes at a, at a fairly fast pace. Uh, we, I guess, Pete, we will officially unveil the schedule as we get a little bit closer maybe do a final iron fist preview but um but you know kind of we're looking to move fast with that but still move deep have those critical discussions and uh it is an exciting time to be talking to be talking geeky tv pete i can't think of another time in history where you know other than that other show that we do in star trek we're so much intertwined connected universe content has uh, come out at one time and there it was two star trek tv shows on at once from like 1992 to 1999 that's quite a run indeed pete however our run is starting to wrap up for this episode how can people be in touch with you on twitter you can find me on twitter at peter p-i-e-t-e-r-j Ketelar, K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R, 9,002 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast 24-7, 365. We are Fantastic Geek. That is fantastic with the P and H. FantasticGeek.com, FantasticGeekGmail.com, Fantastic Geek on Twitter and Instagram as well. But wait, Pete, is there more? Facebook.com forward slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word, your new best friends. If you're listening to this on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we will be back soon with the next podcast goodie. If you're listening to this on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, we will resume in April when that show uh, resumes, unless, of course, we have good or 
hopefully not bad news about the future of the series. And if you are listening to this on the Inhuman podcast by Fantastic Geek Feed, welcome. And uh, we will be updating this the closer we get to uh, the the movie and the series happening, along with uh, some news along the way. So with that, Pete, I will say aloha to all our listeners and give you the final word. Time to go hug my teleporting dog. <laughs>